must praise that King of glory right now. Would you lift up your voice one more time? Come on. Let's lift up our voice. We praise you, King of glory. We worship you, King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. 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 We have sang about so many wonderful things this morning that I only hope that we actually claim them in our personal lives. I thought we needed to get a restart on the service. Could you put the first song, What is That Wonderful Savior? Can you put the words back up? When we were singing this earlier, I thought, oh God, if we could really wake up this Sunday morning to the reality of what we're singing and actually claim these high and exalted, worthy of praise, what a wonderful Savior you are. Next verse. King of all ages, King of all ages, God of all grace, what a wonderful Savior you are. Come on, let's go to the next stanza. Great Redeemer, Ancient of Days, Seed of Abraham, name above all names. We sang about Him being Lord, and if He could actually be the Lord over our lives today. What a difference, oh, what a difference it would make in all of us, not just this Sunday morning, but every day of our life. He is the Lord of all my life, every situation. Praise God. It is so good to see you today. When I got here early this morning, it looked like Armageddon was coming. There was a darkness coming from the north. And I thought, oh, Lord, I pray this gets through before church time. And sure enough, look at where we are right now. Amen. Why don't you turn and smile at somebody near you and high-five them and say, I'm glad you made it today. Amen. You know what? I'm still excited about who he is. I said I'm still excited about who he is. I still get excited when we sing about him. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. I bless you today. I bless you. An old song came to my mind last night that I wish that I had the voice to sing it all hail the power of Jesus name let angels prostrate fall bring forth that royal diadem and crown him Lord of Lords bring forth that royal diadem and crown him Lord of Lords praise God well I better get to my business today. Let me just encourage all of you, Brother Landon already has done that, but please, 
go buy. Here's the deal. You don't have to buy anything. We would love for you to, but we have a lot of home-based businesses in our church. And if you're going to buy for Christmas, why not buy from our family? So it's a great opportunity. Here's the deal. If you go over there, there's going to be a drawing. I think we've got a $100 gift card and a $50 gift card and a couple of $25 gift cards. All you have to do is just go over there and look around, drop your ticket in the pot, and we'll draw. And uh, you'll be doubly blessed. You'll be blessed because you went over there and supported them. And uh, don't forget that God will bless you for loving his people. Amen. And then our banquet table decorations. We really desperately need some volunteers to help us with our table decorations. We don't have very many sign-ups right now, but if you would help us uh, decorate a table uh, for our Christmas banquet next Sunday night, you can sign up in the foyer. Let's go to the Word of God. John, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And uh, we will also be reading from the second chapter of Luke. And I know you've been standing, so I'm going to try to read through this quickly. Uh, beginning with verse 26. And then the sixth month, the, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled by this saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation that should be. We should explore that more later on. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great. He shall be called the Son of the Highest. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing that I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Verse 37 said, For with God nothing is impossible. With God no thing is impossible. No thing is impossible. 
Skipping down to verse number 65. And fear came on all that dwelt around them. This is in reference to Zechariah and Elizabeth and the birth of their son John. And that in itself is another message. But fear came upon all that dwelt around about them. And all these sayings, again, it would not be uh, injustice to the scripture to replace the sayings with things. And all these things were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. No thing, all these things. And then going to the second chapter, beginning with verse number 8, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be the sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace goodwill toward men and it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven the shepherds said one to another let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing this thing which has come to pass which the Lord hath made known unto us they came with haste found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and pondered them. From this today, I would like to talk to you for a little while about this thing called Christmas. This thing called Christmas. Everybody said amen. Amen. Praise God. Say, God, help this poor preacher today. You can be seated. We are going to continue our series today called The Road to Bethlehem. But let me stop and pause here and give explanation to uh, what I just gave you as a thought and a title. When we talk about Christmas, uh, I want you to understand that I am not referencing all of the attachments that have been made to this season of the year. I'm not talking about trees or tinsel, or ribbon, or bulbs. I'm not talking about parties. I'm not talking about gifts and all of the other things that we associate with Christmas. 
But when I speak the word Christmas, I am talking about the Christ who made this day possible. I'm talking about the birth of our Lord and Savior. And I am thankful today that in this season of the year, I still find it in my heart a desire to worship Him and to bow before Him and thank Him for all that He has done in my life. I confess to you today that this story never grows old to me and I never cease to get excited about the Christmas season. I love the message that it conveys. I love the truth that is revealed when you read the true account of Christmas. Not Santa Claus, not all of the other things that we have associated with it, but when we go back to the real reason for the season, I still get excited when I read about Christ coming. I get excited when I read about a Savior that is born, a rescuer, one who has come to salvage me from the mess that I have gotten into in my life. I am still excited to talk about the King of kings and the Lord of lords that never grows weary to me. I love speaking about what this season represents and the truth that is revealed in Christ Jesus. It never ceases to amaze me that the Word would become flesh and dwell among us and we would behold His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That still does something in my spirit. That still causes tears to come to my eyes. That still makes me want to lift my hands and say, I love you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. I worship you. I pray. I wish we could do that right now. Just take a moment. Oh, we love you today. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you. As a child of God, we celebrate many wonderful things in our life. I am humbled by the crucifixion. I am brought to my knees when I come to the cross because it was there that the most important result of his humanity took place. That was what he was born to do. That was what he was born for. And it was at the cross that he died for my sin and your sin and the sins of the world. And that's hard for us to even fathom that somebody would love us when we were yet without hope, when we were yet sinners, when we were not lovable, when we were not desirable, when there was nothing about us that would make us attractive, He came anyway. 
and he robed himself and he lived this life and he went to his divine purpose at the cross so that he could take care of what I could not take care of in my own life and so he could free me from the burden of sin and there at the cross he paid my debt for all that I owed and I am ever grateful for him for doing that in my life that he paid that debt that I could not owe. Amen. We get excited at Easter when we come to the empty tomb and we're awed by the resurrection. There's nothing more wonderful than preaching about the risen Savior. He is not dead, but he is alive. He is risen. That still excites me, folks. I'm sorry. Some of you have gotten so religiously ritual ritualized that you you are not moved by anything anymore but I still get excited that somebody came up out of the grave and he did it again to prove to me that his victory at the cross was complete and now I could enjoy what he had accomplished in his life amen praise God I still get excited it, it leaves me breathless when I can, when I even consider about him talking to his disciples and all of a sudden he just starts leaving this terra firma. I don't know. Some, some of us have gotten so accustomed to reading the black and white print that we fail to realize that that's a true story, that that really happened, that there were people just like you and I that had been called to be disciples and they were there listening to every word. He said they were so relieved that he had been crucified and put to death and now he's alive and they don't understand the implications of all of it. But right while he's talking to them, he just starts writing. Up out. I, I, I cannot even fathom what that must have been like and the assertion by that uh, rising that he would be uh, that uh, priest for my life pleading, uh, interceding according to scripture interse- making intercessions ever pleading my case aren't you thankful that somebody's still on your side? Come on, some of you need to shake somebody beside you and say, wake up. God's got a word for you today. But the truth is, and we all know this, that what made all of that possible, the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, was the fact that he came in flesh. The incarnation, that he became man. That the Word became flesh. The same Word that spoke in the beginning of time, let there be light, now was housed in a bodily human form. Conceived of the Holy Ghost, born of a virgin, very God and very man, born in a stable Cradled in a manger, yet King of kings and Lord of lords. I am thankful today that I know who he is. Oh yes, clap your hands one more time and let's give him praise.
The story of Christmas is nothing new to any of us. As a matter of fact, it is so known that every year as a pastor, it becomes more challenging to me to find something new to say about that old, old story. The point is that what I really felt the emphasis of the Holy Ghost this morning especially, what really was driven home to me is that if we're not careful, familiarity can breed not contempt, but it fosters a callousness. We become hardened to its message. And when we become hardened to its message, we cannot respond to its word. Yeah. There is a difference. And I want to share that with you today. That when we become calloused and and we become insensitive, it takes more to move us. It takes greater things to stir us. And it's because we have become so familiar with it. It rubbing that, that consistent friction that goes on in the commerce of life has a way of developing the calluses on us, our heart, our mind, our spirit, so that even when the word is spoken, The word that was meant for us never gets to us because there's a barrier there that's preventing that word from penetrating our minds and our hearts. And what worship is designed to do, it's designed to rub off that that callousness, that lie, that just living from Sunday to Wednesday and Sunday to Sunday, all that callousness that developed. That's what worship, worship has a way of shedding all of that hardness so that my heart becomes tender again and sensitive to His Word. Because when I cannot be sensitive to his word, I cannot respond to his word. Leprosy is often in scripture uh, connected to sin and what sin does to us. But if you study leprosy, leprosy is a process of killing the ability to feel, the ability to sense They don't have the feelings and so they actually can cut off a finger and not realize they can be bleeding to death. That's why you see many... Leprosy doesn't eat away the limbs. Leprosy works on the nervous system so that you cannot feel, you cannot sense danger. Even though there's heat... You don't realize there's heat. You don't recognize the fire. And so hands are brought into the fire and they're burned and disfigured and marred. Not because of some eating away, but because they lost the ability to feel and sense. And that's what the Spirit of the Lord has talked to me about this morning. I want my people to sense my presence. Because when they sense my presence, 
presence. Then they can respond to what I have come to do for them in their life. And when they can feel, when they can sense something, when they realize that the King of glory really is in this place right now, He really is available in my life, then I can respond to that. I'm able to give myself to that. And when I do give myself to that, amazing things happen. Praise God. Maybe we need to start over, Brother Clyde T., with worship. Because I feel like we didn't get enough knocked off of us earlier. Some of us are just drum dumb right now from the Christmas season. We're just hurrying it on. We're waiting for January 1st to get here. But let me tell you, let's slow down for a moment because God has a word for you. Not just a general word, but a specific word. There's something that God wants to say to you in your life that if you hear it and you're able to respond to it, if you hear it and you receive it, then something will transmit into your being that will enable you to act on what God has said and do what God has prompted you to do and believe what God has given you to believe believe and know that he will bring it to pass come on clap your hands and praise him right now praise God I feel the Holy Ghost right now amen whatever you are Thinking about this season of the year, let me just say this, that I believe how we enter any season of life determines what we will get out of it. And I believe that there are valuable lessons that we can learn in every season of life. And sometimes we don't learn them and so God allows us to repeat them so that we can learn them. And I believe that the message of the birth of Jesus Christ is so rich with some valuable lessons that I think if we could hear that word today and we could receive it, something would happen. Whatever season you're in, this is what I have learned in living for God. The best thing you can do in any season of your life is to stay humble and stay pliable and allow yourself to be molded and bent. It's to allow your knees to take you down to the ground so that you can humble yourself before God and say, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I trust you're doing. I trust your work. I don't know why this is on me. It doesn't look like a blessing right now. It, 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 doesn't, uh, it, it doesn't come to me as being such a wonderful thing. That's why the Bible said that, that Mary was puzzled at what had been just spoken to her about what God had said about her life. She understood what the word was that was spoken to her. And the word that was spoken of her was, you're going to be used as an instrument. God is going to...
going to use you as a vessel and he is going to accomplish his divine purpose through you. And she was puzzled at what all this meant because she, she had never known a man. She didn't know how all this could be. She was thinking in earthly terms. How, I'm, how am I going to birth a child when I've never known a man? And you're, you're tough today. Whatever season you're in, the best thing you can do is humble yourself. Because it is the posture of the heart in any season that's the key to making what, what God wants to happen, happen in your life. Understand that. For you to find what God wants you to find in this season of your life, the most important thing in your life is the posture of your heart. It's the direction that it's pointed. It is whether it is willing and listening or God, I don't have time for you. And there's some of you right here today, you've already shut the door and you're telling God by your own actions, I don't have time for you. I, I, I don't need this. And yet God, even with a closed door, he still comes knocking, saying, somebody let me in. If you'll just let me in, if you'll let me come in and sup with you. Ah, uh, yeah, something good can happen. If you'll just allow me to open that door or you to open that door. And what happens is that when we humble ourselves, then we tend to align ourselves with his word. And it is his word that makes things possible. A word of revelation can change your life. A word of revelation will change your life when it is received, when it is accepted. And I can prove it to you from our reading today. I was torn this week between Mary and the shepherds. I didn't want to waste too much time. I hope I'm not wasting your time. But I was torn between which one of these. Both stories have been talking to me and ministering to me. But then I began to read it again. And I, I I read it a little more deeply in some of the, the Greek texts and I began to understand that there's a connection between both of the stories and it is the fact that a word was given to both Mary and the shepherds and that word that was given to them transformed and changed their life. It changed Mary's life significantly, but it opened the door of opportunity for the shepherds to be the very first to come and visit this babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger that was to be the savior of the world, that was to be king of kings and lord of lords. And it was that word of revelation that made for a restoration in their hearts. Understanding that the promises of God, though they were ancient and old, were now fulfilled in that little child that you're going to see in that manger. Those shepherds that we talked about in the beginning that were those that were probably taking care of a special flock 
of sheep that were brought to the temple for sacrifice. They knew the promises of old. They had been rehearsed in their ears that Messiah was coming. A Savior was coming. And they had heard it and 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 heard it it until finally here they are out on this night and the Lord begins to reveal to them that all of the promises of the ages have now been fulfilled in Bethlehem that I have wrapped my promise in that little child. Praise God. Yeah. Some of you have waited a long time for fulfillment of promises. But let me tell you what was the key to their receiving that they were watching. I I read that again last night and I realized they were watching. They weren't just watching for sheep. They were watching for other things as well. They had to have been. Because they knew, even though they were despised, they had to have known what was been... They they knew what these lambs represented. They understood all of the significance of the Old Testament promises. These shepherds understood that. It was rehearsed in the Jewish culture. They were brought up knowing Messiah's coming, Messiah's coming, Messiah's coming, Messiah's coming, Messiah's coming. They heard it when they were children. They heard it when they became adults. They heard it when they were old people. And some of them died without seeing Messiah come. But here these shepherds were here on the hill. And the Bible said there were certain shepherds that were watching their flock and this is what I've learned about living for God your faithfulness will always pay off with God your faithfulness matters to God you say I don't know if God takes a, pays attention oh yes he pays attention as a matter of fact he knows who's watching in this service right now Watching the right thing, not the watch, not the clock, not the whatever else, the steamer at home or, or the microwave that, that, whatever you left in the microwave or, or, or wondering what the stock market's gonna do or what's gonna happen with my job. They're watching for something else. They're watching for the word to come. They're watching for something to be revealed in their life that will help them, that will enable them to do what they need to do. And there was this revelation in the birth of Jesus Christ. The Word. Everybody say the Word. The Word became flesh. It's interesting in Greek, and I'm not a Greek scholar. I just love to study. But there are two words in in the New Testament that are used for uh, Word. Logos and Rhema. And there's a significant difference between the two of them. The general... Word of God, the, the communicated word or thought of God is called the Logos. Jesus was called the Logos. He was the Word made flesh, the Logos, God's thought, God's purpose, God's full plan. But Rhema is a segment of that Word that is specific 
to the person to which it is sent. That Take, for instance, this keyboard here. This, this keyboard represents the logos of God. All of these keys, and I don't want to knock anything over. Just all of those. That's the logos. That's the word. But that's the rhema. That's something specific that God pulls out of his logos to give to you personally. For your particular situation, for your particular need, for whatever place in life you are at, for whatever season of life you are in, God takes a word out of His word and He gives it to you. And He said, here, this is my personal message to you. This is my personal message this Christmas to you. I have a word. I have a rhema for you. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get there. My, my mind's got too many things going on. So when I was reading these scriptures, I read about Mary and I go back to them. Mary, the Bible said that she heard these things and pondered them. Things, the word thing is rhema. She heard this rhema and she pondered it in her heart. Earlier on when she had been spoken to by the angel and the angel told her all of these things, when the scripture says, for with God no thing, no rhema is impossible. So God gives a rhema out of his logos for my personal need and where I am. And so when God came to Mary, he didn't just come with the whole Bible. He didn't come with all of the logos. He said, I want to give you a word, Mary, that's going to transform your life. I'm going to speak a word to you that's going to give you an opportunity that no one, no woman has ever had or ever will have again. I'm going to elevate you. I'm going to bring you into a place of honor. Why? Because of a rhema that was spoken into her life and the Lord told me to tell somebody in this building that just as sure as he had a rhema for Mary that elevated her life and brought her to a higher level and helped her fulfill God's purpose. He said, I have a rhema for you. I want to lift you up as well. I want to show you my divine purpose. I want you to understand Understand what this thing of Christmas is all about. No thing, no rhema. And then after Zechariah and Elizabeth had celebrated the birth and all of the things that went with that miracle as well. The Bible said, and fear came on all that dwelt round about them and all these sayings, all these rhemas, all these words 
were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. And then when you get over to the story of the shepherds, the Bible says that they were there watching their flock by night and the angels appeared and the message was delivered and then angels came and rejoiced in the heavens about what had just transpired in the little town of Bethlehem and the scripture says of them and it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven the shepherds said one to another let us now go in the Greek it is much more intense than that they said let's make haste let's run let's hurry let's get there as fast as we can and see this thing that has come to pass this rhema that has been revealed this word that God has spoken to me and God said here's what I want you to tell my people when they are faithful to me and they do what I've called them to do without complaint or without failure he said I will always come to them and give them a rhema, a word of direction, a word of revelation, and a word of understanding to know, to know what they ought to do. Amen. I gotta, I gotta finish. Mary and the shepherds heard a rhema, and it changed their life. It changed their life. The shepherds, it changed them so much that when they left, they couldn't stop talking about it. You know, there's some things that happen around church that don't die with the service. Those are the rhema moments. Those are the moments when we get really in tune with God. And we've knocked off that callousness from the weak through our worship. And we're open and vulnerable before him. And we say, God, I really want to hear from you today. I really want to, I, I want you to touch my life. I want you to speak. And amazingly, God takes a word out of a message. He takes a sentence that is spoken. He takes a verse that is read. And all of a sudden, boom, it blows up in your mind and spirit as the word begins to minister to you where you are and say hey I just want you to understand I know where you're at I know what you're going through I know what's happening in your life and I am your faithful God I will be your help in time of trouble I will be your strength when you need strength What's amazing to me is that for both of them, no sooner were they informed, they acted. They didn't delay. They didn't get out their dictionary to make sure they got the right word. They acted. Great things happen when you respond to God. Wonderful things happen. That's what's wrong with a lot of us. We've stopped responding. It's not that God's not speaking. God continually speaks. Sometimes he speaks to you while you're working. Sometimes he speaks to you while you're at your job, at your desk, doing all the mundane things, and all of a sudden there's a still small voice that speaks something and said, hey, I just want you to know, I know where you're at. I know what you're going through. You're not alone. I'm here with you. I want you to understand my presence is available all the time. It is that rhema word that comes to us wherever we are and makes us know God has 
has not forgotten us. But we have to be sensitive to that. In my older years, I've become a little hard of hearing. And I have a little bit too much pride to wear my hearing aids at church. But I have a few times. But some things just don't register. Now some, they told me that the frequency that I'm missing is the frequency at which my wife's voice speaks most often. That's what they told me. She didn't tell me that. That's what the doctor told me. And you're laughing because you got the same problem. are moving (laughs) the lights on but nobody's home and unfortunately that happens with God and us God's always speaking his word is ever going it goes throughout the earth the trouble is we have become tone deaf to some things There's some scales that I can't reach because I have become tone deaf to them. And all God is trying to do in the Christmas season is to help us become a little more vulnerable, a little more in tune with Him and what He would like to do in our life and to know that out of all of the Word, the Logos. You look at the Bible and say, oh, I don't, know. I, I, I don't know, know where to begin. Begin anywhere. It doesn't matter where you begin. If you start reading, sooner or later, it'll speak to you. Here's what I believe. I believe the Bible is the Logos of God. And when we read the Bible, we're reading the Logos. But when the Bible starts reading us, That's the rhema. And we need to be sensitive. And Mary and the shepherds were so quick to respond. And I'm I'm amazed. I mean, Mary had expectations. She's a young woman. She wants to get married. And now all of a sudden, there's an angel telling her, you're going to be with child, and and you're not going to be able to explain how you got pregnant. And even if you explained it, nobody would believe it. So here's this blessing that's, that's spoken over her life that really looks like a curse. Do you understand that there are some blessings that come into your life in the form of a burden? And when you carry that burden full term, you'll be happy you did because it will, be, it will produce something in your life that you will be glad it, that was produced. But you got to be willing to bear the shame. you got to be willing to bear the reproach. you got to be willing to say, Lord, whatever your word says, whatever your word says, if your word says it, that's what I believe. That's what I accept. That's what I embrace. Whatever your word says. My Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. The first thing that Mary and the the shepherds did, 
<clears throat> they postured themselves for purpose to be fulfilled in their life. She said, be it unto me according to thy word, Rama. Whatever your Rama is saying to me, Lord, I'm ready. I'm, I'm, I'm humbling myself before you because I know that in that Rama there will come revelation that will change my life and I have to hurry. And when Mary did this, Mary moved from expectations to expectancy. And there is a difference between the two of them. Expectations. Everybody has them. And as a pastor, I'll tell you that most, all of the problems that I deal with and that Brother Long deal with are from unfulfilled expectations. Expectations have a way of frustrating us because people don't perform the way we want them to perform. People don't do the things we want them to do. People fail us. And we can't believe that somebody like that would fail us. And so our expectations put us in a very difficult place. Uh, Expectations cause us to uh, put burdens on other people that they are unable to bear. And Mary had expectations. But when, when she heard the rhema, she let go of her expectations and became expectant. Expectancy filled her heart. Be it unto me according to your word. Let it happen just like you said it. Let it be just like the word declared it to be. And every time I think about that, I understand what was happening in Mary's heart that God was trying to focus her not on things but on Him. Expectations. Expectations are what trouble most of our lives and they're unfulfilled and we're frustrated and we have all of these issues and we're disappointed and we're disillusioned but something happens uh, in, in our heart when like Mary we just submit ourselves to the word and we say God I'm going to give up my expectation because expectations are only causing me to question you. Expect will cause me to hope for you and there's a difference I have expectations that frustrate me but when I have an expectancy in my heart there is hope that something can change and something will transpire in my life that will forever change my life stand with me if you will expectations demand more of life while expectancy celebrates what is given. Expectations, listen to me, expectations drag us through life, but expectancy leads us to greater things. And there are people in this building today that I have to ask a question to. What is stealing your joy?
in this season that has been heralded as a season of great joy. And what a difference it would make in your life if you could just say, yes, Lord, whatever your word says, whatever your word says, yes, Lord, let us go with haste. Let's hurry to see this thing, this word, this rhema that has been revealed to us. Let's hurry. Oh God, I wonder how many of us could be such eager individuals to reach out to what God is saying. A rhema. There's a rhema word. There is an individual specific word for your life. And God's already spoken it to you. He spoke it to some of you while we were singing earlier. There was one part of a verse that just rang a bell in your heart. Something that was spoken earlier by Brother Long or something that's already been said or all the other opportunities that God has given us to hear His Word. And all God's waiting on is a response. God's waiting to see what you're going to do with the rhema that he is already king of all glory, God of all grace. Grace, grace for me, mercy for me, peace in my heart, peace in my family. I can claim those things today when I respond to the word of God. When I respond to what's been saying and what's been you see, here's the problem with so many of us. Church has become just something that we do, and we sing all of these songs and we all of those powerful words, but they never register until something specific comes, and all of a sudden, boom, God said, Hey, you know what? I saw you this week. I saw you in that tight spot. I know what you had to go through. I know what you suffered, the indignity of being called but I want you to know I've called you something different I've called you blessed I call you blessed who are you going to believe some of you still frustrated about what somebody put on your Facebook page God has a word that could change all of that. And all he's waiting on is for me, for you, 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 you. Doesn't matter who. All of us. God has a rhema, a specific personal message to give to me this week. If you read the word of God, you'll find that there are many instances where God spoke a rhema word. Peter had been out all night fishing and had come back empty. No fish, nothing to show for their labors. And along comes this one called Jesus and said, can I borrow your boat for a moment? And after he talked the multitude, he turned to this man who had fished all night and was trying to get his nets cleaned up for the next day and said, cast your nets out into the deep 
and see a great drought of fish? And here's Peter's response. Lord, we have, we have toiled all night and have nothing but at your rhema. At your rhema. I will. Oh, yeah. And God said to tell somebody this morning that feels like they are a failure that if they will just cast their nets in one more time, I can change their failure into a miracle. Come on. Yeah, nothing is impossible with him. Nothing shall be impossible. No thing shall be impossible to him. No rhema that he speaks is impossible for him to bring to pass. Oh, yes. Come on, church family. Let's respond to that word today. God, you know where I am. You know what I'm going 